0: There's this myth that to be an artist, you must struggle. I'm here to tell you that that's not true. This is a podcast for people who are looking to realign with their inspiration and intuition. We chat with industry professionals about everything from their spiritual experiences to the everyday practices that help them stay energetically and mentally in tune. My name is Madeline Corliss. I'm the creator of the Energy Studio. Welcome to the Energy Studio podcast. Hello, hello. Today, we are talking with New York City acting coach, Ken Schatz. Ken has been my acting coach for years. And when I was planning out this season of the Energy Studio podcast, it was a no-brainer to have him on as a guest. Ken was the first coach that I worked with who emphasized the importance of emotional safety and emotional wellness within the acting technique, which I personally think is something that is crucial to art in general and something that is not talked about nearly enough. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you, so let's get started. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Yeah. So let's just jump right in. Okay. So let's talk about emotional wellness and acting. So what do you think or why do you think it's important to incorporate emotional safety when you are practicing and working on your acting technique?
1: So we don't want anybody to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And a surprising amount of people get hurt when they are working with teachers and coaches and directors and producers and casting people and all sorts of people who work with actors. Emotional safety is not just important, it's crucial. It's crucial not just for somebody's health, it's crucial for the good art. It's crucial for the good storytelling. If the actor is not working safely, then the art will suffer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even aside from our concerns about uh, how somebody is doing as a person, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the art will suffer. It might even be one thing if, uh, uh, if compromising one's health, one's sanity, led to genius art, but that's not what happens. Genius art happens in the industry, generally in spite of lack of attention to safety,
0: Mm.
1: rather than because of lack of attention to safety. Antonin Artaud called the performing artist an acrobat of the heart. And I think that emotional safety is obviously, in that way, as important as physical safety and in the case of many of our performers vocal safety there are a whole set of problems related to being a a concert violinist Mm -hmm. Um, it is hard to be a concert violinist it's hard to be a master concert violinist imagine having all of those problems and then also having to be the violin
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a whole nother set of problems related to how do I get myself out of the case? Mm -hmm. Uh, How do I tune myself? If there's nobody else around to do it. Uh, I started crusading about actor safety because the industry around me and the actor training environments in which I grew up did not concern themselves with actor safety and I saw the results. And I've seen a lot of people get hurt because safety is treated as an afterthought when it's mentioned or thought of at all. It gets treated as an extra, something that doesn't belong in class time, in studio time, in rehearsal time. It gets treated as uh, as a badge of wimphood. Attention to safety um, flies in the face of a culture of macho promoted by many of the training programs and many of uh, the directors at work, mm-hmm. both in theater and in TV film. The actor is supposed to be the only person concerned with uh, uh, with safety, and that's a that's a shame. Um, and, I, and it doesn't get taught. I pioneered a lot of safety techniques for actors because we had to. <laughs> uh, there's, there was nobody else doing this. Yeah. Um, the fact that I have pioneered some specific techniques for safety in the work of the actor, I, I'm very proud of that. And I am also appalled by it. I am, it is, I, how horrible is it that, uh, that, that I should need to concern myself with inventing things uh, mm. after people have been doing this for a long, 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 long time? I'm not the first person to concern myself as somebody who works with actors uh, with safety. Certainly, I mean Lee Strasberg, uh, uh, whose work has been <laughs> a trap for a lot of people. Um, Lee Strasberg, uh, in many ways, concerned himself with actors' safety. In many ways, he didn't, but in some ways, he did. And uh, and you know, he thought about it. Stanislavski thought about it. Lots of people thought about it. But uh, but in what we will call the modern era. Um, uh, there has been scant attention to safety for the actor, emotional safety for the actor, uh, emotional health for the actor. I think that there is evolution at work. So let's take let's take Lee Strasberg and the work of the uh, the Actor Studio. Mm-hmm. So Lee Strasberg did this thing where. We're going to take you through an effective memory exercise, and it's going to involve um, uh, some physical and vocal specificity, some sensory specificity, in order to uh, in order to encourage a flow of feeling in relation, hopefully, to a story. And uh, and it's going to take everybody get ready because it's 19 whenever it was. An hour and a half. <laughs> it's going to take forty-five minutes uh, to uh, to hypno delve into uh, into this memory of yours or into this sensory experience, um, uh, and uh, and what and we go, wow, that took a long time, but uh, but remember, uh, he was doing this at a time when psychotherapy, particularly for men, Mm -hmm. was not normalized in the everyday conversation. Yeah. Uh, And we know because we've evolved in our thinking uh, in in the everyday conversation uh, uh, and in the conversation of actors, um we know that actually people have feelings all the time mm-hmm. and 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 it's not weird to want to cry at a moment and it's not weird to want to laugh at a moment hmm it's, it's just not weird. It doesn't take that long. We now know more about how normal it is to feel things and express things mm-hmm. than we trusted we do, at any rate, at uh, uh, during the early actor studio years and certainly during Stanislavski's uh, uh, time. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes total sense. And I was just thinking, it's interesting to think about how normalizing mental wellness practices and therapy is changing the landscape of theater um, Mm -hmm. in the sense that it's allowing people, the sense that it's okay to feel these things. Um, And thinking back to my own experience, I think part of why I'm able to now access those emotions so quickly is one, I was laughing about this the other day because I was remembering things like in college where they're like don't think about the feelings the feelings will just happen think about the intention and and that's how we get a super heady actor over here um so like i needed to focus on the feelings but also i understand my emotions and the depths of my emotions in such a different way than i did before i started working with you Mm -hmm. and And it it translates into everyday life as well to be able to actually identify and articulate what those emotions are instead of going through life in that analytical way and being like, well, these emotions are happening but I shouldn't pay attention to them or label them because they're a byproduct. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one
1: of the reasons that can happen is, uh, is that our work is not fundamentally based in somebody's conceit of a technique of acting. -hmm. It's grounded in the study of people, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the study of people and how they function and what they do and what they do in relation to how they feel and what they experience. I didn't set out to create a formula Mm -hmm. about uh, 10 steps to better acting. (laughs) You know, um, it's all stuff, huh? When you consider when you consider what people are like and what they do and what we observe about what's going on with you and what's going on with the other people, seems like you might want to try this. Mm-hmm. Seems like you might want to try that because, uh, because it's, it's grounded in observation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not something I made up. It's something that I observe.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, and as you were saying that, I was starting to think about how for so long I would always be like, well, I don't know what material to work on next. And yeah. now I'm getting really clear with myself about like, okay, what emotions do I want to explore? Like, what does my system want to explore in this time frame or coming up? And that's been guiding what kind of material I work on. And mm-hmm. And it's amazing how your system kind of checks all the boxes. Like, you don't have to go through that list of like, you should have one that's this thing, and you should have another monologue about this thing and a scene about this thing. It's like, oh, your system Uh, like wants to explore all those things. Mm -hmm. And if you just tune into it and listen to it, like eventually you'll check all those boxes. It's just honoring what's there.
1: Sure, if you just ask it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: If you just ask it, rather than asking uh, a teacher, a guru, a, uh, uh, a, a coach. I don't mean that people shouldn't take advantage of the resources that, that a coach or teacher provides. But I, but, uh, but I mean, it's really easy to get trapped in a mindset of, of uh, what does the industry want me to do? What does this other person who is not me want me to do? it's really easy to get trapped into a mindset of I'm a meat puppet instead of I'm an artist. And if I wanna paint a sunset, by God, I'll paint a sunset.
0: Yeah, well, and I think there's something different about uh, like when people bring things into class that they found on their own and they're like, I saw this and I just like really wanted to do it. There's a different connection to the piece and the material. And I think uh, somebody else might be able to be like, oh, you remind me of this, this thing but there just seems to be something slightly different of when, when we see it and there's a longing to do it as opposed to an assignment.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I am constantly impressed at the degree to which people's subconsciouses present them with exactly the right solution to the question, what should I be working on? Mm-hmm. I, I, it's amazing. And, and you said something interesting. You, um, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, asking yourself, talking about mm-hmm. checking in with yourself. What do I want to work on? That in the way that you phrase that, it's very close to, uh, I think you've heard me say this, uh, to, to what I've been calling cookie monster vocabulary.
0: Mm, that I don't be know that's
1: right. Yeah, it's very close to cookie monster vocabulary. What does me want? What does me want to do? Mm-hmm. Ah, me wants, there's this really useful separation. Uh, it's just a little, uh, uh, what, the, what the psychologists will call a distancing device in, in the vocabulary choice. There's, a, there's this useful space uh, between you and your, your inner life. If you place yourself just a little bit to one side of your inner life, you can then ask it all sorts of questions. Um, and and you could say, what does me want? And then, listen for the answer. And, yeah. uh, and it can come in the form of a feeling. It could come in the form of words. Me want cookie. <laughs> you know, it, could, it, it can, me want to work on Glass Menagerie by Tennessee Williams. Uh, it can come in, in lots of different forms. Uh, to be able to ask yourself as if yourself deserved that respect it's amazing to me how many people who work with actors are basing entire approaches on actors don't know what's best for them and actors shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't have a say. That's really remarkable.
0: Yeah. When I think too, if we go back to the violin analogy, it's like, okay, if I am the instrument as well, the thing that's tricky is you can't buy a new instrument. That's right.
1: There is only one of you.
0: Yeah, that's not an option. So it's like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm taking incredibly good care of the violin so that the violin can still play in 10, 15, 20, however many years Mm -hmm. you intend to continue acting? Yep. And I also think that, unfortunately, the way that the industry has been at least in my experience, there are some people who do think of actors as instruments. And I think unless you've done the personal work to start treating yourself as though you are an instrument that has to be very well taken care of because the project is not the priority, You're, the longevity of you being able to do the things is a priority. Mm-hmm. Um I think if you don't have that personal knowledge, it's really hard to set healthy boundaries in creative processes and be able to say like, I'm actually not comfortable doing that or, um, or feel like you even have the power to do that.
1: One of the best things uh, to come along in the industry uh, in a long time is uh, the advent of intimacy coordination mm-hmm. as, a, as a profession and as an artistic path. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm proud of the fact that one of the people who started intimacy coordination as a, as a profession was somebody who, uh, who I had worked with in class. Um, and, uh, and I'm very, 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 uh, I'm very glad that those things are, are garnering more attention. And and now it is happening at a level where people get paid to do it, and I think that that's fantastic. Yeah. And I and my experience with with the people who are doing that is that they're great.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: I mean, you know, it it will expand to the point where I'm sure someday there will be uh, intimacy coordinators who are not good and intimacy <laughs> coordinators who are good. But uh, but right now there it's a it's a rather golden age where where. The, uh, the people who are doing that uh, very much know what they're doing. Uh, and, uh, and I don't get to say that very often about people who work with actors. And, uh, and, and it's a really wonderful thing to see. Uh, the training programs, the conservatories, the agents, the casting directors, the producers and directors, they're behind
0: mm.
1: in treating actors with respect mm-hmm. and, uh, and acknowledging the, the personhood and artistry. Of, of actors yeah now granted they don't have a lot of uh money and a lot of time to spare it really is true that that the actor is and will be for a long time still the actor is responsible for their own health and wellness and safety
0: yeah well and that made me think about when i was meeting with agents and there were some agents who it was so clear that they wanted to work with me because they thought I would work and bring in money and that was like the primary focus and it didn't matter where I was working or what kind of work I was doing it was just like i want you to bring in money and then i get a paycheck and that's the priority and then the agent that i'm signed with the thing that totally sold me is she was like i will always support you saying no to a project if it's not what you want to be doing and i was like beautiful thing go. that's like, terrific yeah. yeah and she was she ta- we talked about how she was like, we're crafting a career. We are not crafting a paycheck for this month. And if that project's not going to support the career that you wanna be creating, then you do not have to say yes to it. And I was like, you're my person, let's sign, great. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's yep, so yep, important. Yep, yep, yep. And I think unfortunately, at least in my experience of of looking for an agent, that was not the norm, which I have a hope that one day it will be. Um, it
1: happens, but it's not common enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so jumping a little bit to another question. Um, I'm going to first start this with my own personal story a little bit. So in working with each other, I have been through a lot of uh, personal, emotional turmoil and you know, family things and relationship things. And uh, something that I have always loved and felt very safe in your classes and in coachings is the ability to say, I have this thing going on, I'm dealing with this personal thing and I just need like an extra set of eyes on it to make sure that like, I'm not venturing into dangerous territory and I'm gonna be very careful with myself. Um, For somebody who's never really done anything like that, how can an actor gauge what is safe and what is not for them to venture into in a time of emotional turmoil or, you know, when dealing with a global pandemic, where new things pop up every two seconds, and you know, you never know where your emotional uh, landscape might be on any given day, how would you suggest an actor approaches their work in a safe way?
1: There are a lot of things about that. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing is, don't try to deny the fact that you have feelings coursing through the system in the first place. Mm. It's not just surprisingly easy to do that, it's taught
0: mm. in
1: some programs uh, to deny that you have feelings coursing through the system, uh, whether they be about the story you're telling or uh, about what happened to you this morning. It's not just surprisingly easy to, to do that, it's taught uh, by, by some acting teachers. Mm -hmm. So I would absolutely suggest, I would suggest acknowledging Mm -hmm. the fact that you have an emotional current at all. (laughs) That's, that's surprisingly helpful. Um, Boy, wouldn't it be something granting, granting yourself your own humanity.
0: Mm.
1: That, that's a good first step. It seems a little hokey. Um, When (laughs) when I was, when I was like, I don't know, 18, 19, certainly 15, 16, 17, when I was getting into the art of acting in the first place, if somebody had told me that I was going to be having an excellent conversation on the Energy Studio podcast, (laughs) I would... I would not have known what to make of that. Um, <laughs> if, if somebody had, had told me that I was gonna spend a, a lot, a big part of my day, mm-hmm. um, every day, uh, talking to people about how it's okay to feel Mm-hmm. And it's okay to check in with yourself about what's going on with you. And it's okay to, uh, to, uh, to uh, tell yourself that it's okay. And, uh, you know, the reassurance, emotional reassurance is a, is a big part of my day. And, and if you had told uh, the teenage me that that, that that was in my future, I would have been surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, because to a lot of people, uh, maybe me at one time, uh, it sounds a little hokey. Mm-hmm. But it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. You've got to treat yourself like a human being. And more than that, uh, I think you've got to treat yourself. You've got to treat your acting system like a very, very bright kid. Mm. Um, somebody said su- somebody suggested. uh uh a uh, uh, good bumper sticker for uh for our uh, our studio my inner child is an honor student that's
0: hysterical <laughs> <laughs> i want t-shirts <laughs> yeah. i will spearhead this project <laughs> yeah
1: yeah uh to acknowledge that the syst- that the acting system the creative uh, the creative artist within is in many ways a little kid mhm and not only that, the, a genius little kid, if there's that, um, but it's amazing how many, uh, how many uh, people who work with actors, including the actors themselves, uh, uh, treat this child horribly. Mm. And if you treat your child the way you think you should perhaps treat a child, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we work, the observant passenger will note that, that a lot of the stuff that I say, a lot of the, the phraseology that I use, it's the kind of thing that, it's the way we might talk to a reasonably bright eight-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, I, it's, uh, it's designed to be very, very simple and to pass a couple of quick safety checks by the grown-up. Mm-hmm. But uh, but essentially get right to uh, the inner kid and what the kid needs to try and what the kid needs to do and what the kid needs to do to protect their, themselves or you know treating your inner kid like you would want to be treated as a kid mm-hmm. like you know how to treat kids um, that you can't go wrong with that that's pretty good uh, Mr Rogers is a pretty good uh, a, a pretty good cultural touchstone for, for how to talk
0: to yourself. Well, and as you're saying this, I'm remembering uh, for a very long time in the first like year that we were working together, I, you would ask me almost every week, um, if you were going to explain this to a child, like how would you explain what's happening? Yes, and yes. I remember the very first time it got me so good because I still remember so clearly. I have no idea what monologue I was working on. It was something yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember saying, she's losing her best friend and she doesn't understand why. And it just totally broke That's me. It. And yep. I was like, Wow. That was surprisingly easy. Like yes. now I'm emotional and I get it and I'm in it and I, I understand how to uh, how to move through this piece because I understand that circumstance. But again, heady actor over here puts all of these different things around it and it's like, no, what's at the core of it? And like, how would a, a child understand? And it's like, bam, it's right there.
1: Yeah, so when you find your attention going to actor problems, mm-hmm. bring your attention to human problems. Yeah. And the human problems so often are usefully expressed as uh, uh, as uh, uh, thoughts and feelings and experiences of of uh, the kid within you, mm-hmm. and then we get to we get right away to that question of well how can you do that safely? Yeah, and one thing is. When you bring your system's attention to something difficult, upsetting, scary, unpleasant, awful, when you're done, bring your system's attention to something nice and comforting and good. And when you do that, engage the body and the voice. Yeah. You have been engaging your body and your voice in something upsetting for for a few minutes anyway. And, uh, and the body and voice need to act as tactile reassurers. Mm-hmm. Imagine a kid and a grown-up. And they've both been through something difficult. Mm-hmm. And grown-up says to the kid, Don't worry. It's over now. It's done. Everything's fine now. The kid knows it's not okay. Yeah. Knows it's not okay. It's not okay yet. It's not okay until the grown-up starts Acting mm. like it's okay. Yeah. Modeling that it's okay for the kid. Then the kid is reassured. The grown up can say it's okay all day, but it's not okay until the grown up starts acting like it's okay. And this is why we want to, in cooling out or refocusing our attention to something nice afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, we want to engage the body and the voice. You are, of course, the grown up and the kid in that scenario and you want your grown-up to model uh the things being okay for the inner kid yeah so that's a that's a big thing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then uh there is something to be said for uh checking in with yourself before you begin to work on something in the first place some things are obvious Mm -hmm. some things are really obvious if you are an actor who got mugged this morning, Mm -hmm. maybe you shouldn't do the monologue about getting mugged tonight. Yeah. That kind of thing is obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can trust your instinct a lot uh, Mm. uh, about that. Um, If you've just experienced a, a really heavy loss in your family or among your friends, um or in your life in whatever way uh it might be not a good idea to work on a particular kind of piece today More mm-hmm. doing this job professionally means that there is uh, another consideration when it comes to questions of safety. And that consideration is called breach of contract. And, and you don't wanna, <laughs> you know, you, you, know you, you have maybe some leeway, but you don't have as much leeway as you would have working on your own or working in class or in, mm-hmm. uh, in the studio, something like that. Um, sometimes the people are paying you a lot of money to do it today, yeah. uh, whether you really wanna do it today or not. And it is almost always possible to bring yourself to that circumstance. Mm -hmm. But it's only possible if you are already functioning healthily as an artist. Yeah. To do that consistently. If you're not functioning on a regular basis uh, in a healthy, in a healthful way, as an artist, then when you get punched in the gut by having to do a really hard thing like that in the industry, uh, it's going to wreck you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, everybody can work through a challenging day. Yeah, any athlete can work through a challenging day. But you know, and in your in your athletic career, in your Olympic career, it's perfectly reasonable I suppose to have uh one competition in which you uh you have to get it done on a sprained ankle Mm -hmm. you know and you have to finish out the afternoon but uh but if that's happening on a regular basis then then you're gonna hurt yourself and you're not gonna be able to do this work at all
0: yeah and something too that uh, this just keeps coming in my mind is what you say about um, acting isn't therapy, but when it's done well, it's inherently therapeutic. And I think I think that's so true of so many things because there have been times where uh, my system, this happened last night in class for me, I was like, oh, I'm ready to work on material about this thing that like two months ago would not have been ready to do that. But in the, uh, because I have done actual therapy about these things, I can now use that life experience in a helpful way. And I already have the sense of how therapeutic that will be for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that's just another element of emotions and technique and wellness and all of the above.
1: (laughs) Did I ever share with you one of my favorite quotes from Linda Barry? Do you remember who that is? Mm -mm. Linda Barry was a cartoonist for the Village Voice. Her cartoon ran right next to Matt Groening's. Uh, he created the Simpsons and, and once upon a time Linda Berry was uh, was seen every week in the in the Village Voice. Uh, her, car- her cartoons were great. Her writing is great. And she started writing uh, stories, novels and things and uh, and she became uh, something of a go to authority uh, in the world of uh, unblocking creative writers. Mm. And she has been known to uh, host workshops uh, trying to do for writers some of the same kinds of things, I think, that we're trying to do for actors in our work, uh, trying to free the, the creative impulse uh, safely. And there was a wonderful interview with Linda Barry and I guess the New York Times uh, a long time ago. She, she was quoted as saying something really cool. She said, She said, invariably, after one of these weekend workshops, somebody will come up to me and say, oh, Linda, thank you so much. My goodness, this was just like therapy. (laughs) And she said she had to be very careful at that moment and to reply, no, it isn't. Mm -hmm. Therapy is like this (laughs) yeah, and this is very old. Mm. It's such a great line. I wish I'd thought of it. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, there really is something about uh, about the function of art.
0: Mm-hmm. And when I think when, it, when things start to go back to, well, not go back, but when things start to hopefully normalize a little bit with the pandemic, I think uh, a lot of people are going to go out of survival mode and start recognizing the emotional toll that this pandemic has taken. Oh,
1: sure. The- I've got it on my calendar to do that. Yes.
0: Oh yeah. It's like <laughs> we'll wait till January next yeah. year. But I think that when that time comes, art is going to be so needed and in such demand because uh no matter how much we are moving past the stigma of therapy and mental health, art is such a soothing and less intimidating way to get that healing and that self nurturing and care Mm -hmm. so i think there's going to be my prediction is that there's going to be a big push hopefully sometime in the near future of the necessity and um a desire to just be around art in general
1: i am stunned i'm not surprised but it still impacts Mm. it's stunning how much People have wanted to work on acting technique during the pandemic. Yeah, I recognize that a lot of people have not been able to. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have, of course, been dealing with a horror show of other circumstances. Uh, uh, but, um, but I am, I am so impressed with the importance demonstrated of expression through art and through acting in particular. And I've always known that it was essential as an art form, but then to see that, oh my God, it really is. Yeah. It really is essential. People really do need it. They really yeah. do. It's, it's remarkable. It's amazing to me.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So my last question is, if people would like to work with you, how do they do that?
1: Aha, what an excellent question. Um, let's see, first hour private coaching is free. Amazing. So somebody can schedule a one-on-one session to work on whatever you like. It's generally easy. There's no audition required for the first coaching session. The first coaching session, it's pretty easy for both of us to tell uh, whether I'm the right coach for you. you know. mm-hmm. And uh, to do this, all one would need to do is email studio at K-E-N-S-C-H-A-T-Z.com. And you can read all about it at www.kenshots.com, K-E-N-S-C-H-A-T-Z. And, uh, and then there's uh, the group class, the master class, which is ongoing until the end of time, until everybody is perfect and a movie star and happy. Great. Um, Yes, yes. Um, uh, With some time off for, uh, for, you know, some vacations because wellness. It's important. That's right. Yes. And uh, but mostly it's ongoing and uh, new actors are admitted at the top of every month. And uh, so that does require an audition. One's first coaching session can be considered an audition or they could be separate events as you like. Uh, But uh, I ask to see one monologue, uh, whatever kind of monologue you want to show, and we'll see if class is a good fit for you. I'm very, very, very lucky to be working with people that I really want to work with. Mm. I'm constantly impressed at, uh, at the artistry, the brilliance of people in our class. And I do think that it is the most supportive acting technique experience in New York. In the industry, mm-hmm. Boy, I'm not sure.
0: I don't well, want to now be global like
1: since we're on, yeah, on Zoom. It's, yeah, that's right. That's, virtual, right. Yes, that's right. We're working with people from other countries. It's all thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound too big-headed about it, but I'm excited by it. The environment that that uh, that I'm lucky to be a part of every day um, is uh, is rare in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful to you for that. And I'm grateful for every one of the actors in every moment uh, who contributes to that nurturing environment.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) we are definitely grateful for that environment and the environment that you've created. I mean, it's it's really your, it's what you have crafted. So it is a very big gift.
1: Thanks. We're trying.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this, and we will talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Energy Studio Podcast. If you work in a creative career, I want to let you know about my course, Unblock Your Creative Career. Unblock Your Creative Career is a nine-week intensive that combines psychology, industry knowledge, and energy healing to help you realign and thrive as a creative being. For more information about Unblock Your Creative Career, check out my website, the-energy-studio.com. If you're interested in other course offerings or some free downloads, check out our free online community. There's a link in the show notes to join. And last but certainly not least, if you enjoyed the music at the beginning of this episode, check out the album Shadow People by our dear friends over at the Heartstrings Project. It was released back in December of 2020, and Deepak Chopra has already named it one of the top new albums of the year. That's all for now. We'll talk soon.